Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast and help fund other Slate podcasts like Slow Burn. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. It's only $35 for the first year, and you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. And thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Will Trumpism survive Trump? Increasingly, I'm convinced it won't, and not just because I don't want to have to boot up Trumpism cast, but because I believe, after more than four long years on this show, that Trump as president has been too disjointed and cacophonous and really shocking to exist in a pervasive workday ideology. Trump is sui generis. I mean, we've had racists on the American main stage before, but not one who's been as much of a demagogue as illiterate, as showboating, as corrupt, and as cruel. And not on the main stage that is the Oval Office for someone that has all that going against him. And if we had someone like that, he wasn't unmoored ideologically, a depraved maniac calling himself a Christian who sometimes says he wants to arm everyone and other times wants to confiscate all guns. We've not had someone who's a hawk and an isolationist in the same breath who's still at heart a game show host, who's rich and bankrupt at once, who advocates the use of intravenous bleach and looks right at a solar eclipse. I don't want to keep going over this. I just don't think Rubio or Cruz or Tom Cotton or Mike Pence uh, or even the author of the Turner Diaries or or any far-right racist lunatic can pull off the set of anti-values, esoterica, and harem-scarum flailing that made Trump supporters swoon. And when they voted, what were they voting for? Were they voting against QAnon's cabal in which Tom Hanks eats babies? They really believe that. Were they voting for white supremacy and border camps and the demo side and the mass deportation of Democrats? Were they voting for the promise that coal will be king again? What is Trumpism? So I'm going to say I think it might be a soap bubble. All right, maybe it's a soap bubble filled with pus, but something ephemeral that will pop, disintegrate, and vanish. At least that's what I'm banking on. I keep thinking about how COVID-19 is not an especially evil or crazy disease. It's just new. It's the novel coronavirus. Our immune systems have plenty of shortcomings. We know that. The American body politic is racist, selfish, and drawn to showboaters like Trump. But any body cannot be expected to recognize and defeat a pathogen like Donald Trump that it hadn't encountered before. But now we have. And those of us who didn't know to get the hell away from him when he emerged in the 80s and 90s as the heir to a discriminatory housing empire who was gunning to execute innocent black boys, those who didn't steer clear of him as a con man on The Apprentice, most of us still rejected him decisively when he ran for president. We all already had the antibodies. And then four years passed, and even more of us saw our immune systems rally. We got to the polls and voted Trump out. Yes, 
Trump has still infected the brains of many, but they are the minority. And we have a majority president, once again, who comes into office with a mandate. Mark my words. Hey, I said mark my words. That's, that's serious. When Trump lacks an army and a secret service and is no longer commander-in-chief, when he's out of office in January, his diseased memes on Twitter or YouTube or some deplatformed white supremacist non-news website will be a lot lot, lot less compelling. He'll be raving about his thousand-year Reich, and even those who voted for him will turn the channel. My guest today, to provide a view opposite from my own, is Eddie Gloud Jr. He's the James S. McDonnell Distinguished University Professor at Princeton University and the author of Begin Again, James Baldwin's America and its Urgent Lessons for Our Own. Eddie, welcome to Trumpcast. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I'm so pleased to have you. And I was just admitting, um, and I don't know what this says about me, that in the whole time, four and some years we've been on the air, I've never had a guest on the show where the occasion is a disagreement I had with that person. And that disagreement was, was on Twitter. So I'm especially excited. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here with gloves on um, or gloves off, but I'm just here ready for, you know, a stimulating exchange about a huge topic. Will Trumpism survive Trump? Right. I think we're going to have to pull apart all our terms here. But I was starting to su try to suggest, as you said, in a kind of experimental way, that the more I think about it, the more I think it may not. That we may have a case where some very eccentric, esoteric, and also major chords in American life coalesced in the person of an extremely idiosyncratic, eccentric thinker, if we can call him that, Donald Trump, an actor, and that those things won't last. The center of that, whatever that is, can't hold without him present. So if he's in jail like Keith Raniere, or if he's in jail like Warren Jeffs or other cult leaders, that the the ideology is not so coherent and propulsive that it can survive that. But you think a little bit otherwise, and I want to hear. First of all, I'm just delighted to be on the show. And oh, it seems to me that we have to be clear about what Trumpism singles out. Yeah. So if Trumpism is an ideology that is centered around the personality of Donald Trump, that carries with it certain nativist, racist, nationalistic tendencies, then perhaps I may agree with you. But I want to say that Trumpism is a shorthand for something that existed prior to Trump's ascendance. So if Trump, for example, is a consequence in part of Tea Party ideology, that he kind of becomes in some ways the object of Tea Party resentment, um, if Trump is in fact a reflection of the ongoing legitimation of white supremacist or white identity ideology entering into the mainstream of the body politic. If Donald Trump is, in fact, an avatar for American selfishness around greed and, and the like, all of those elements were present prior to his arrival. And all of those elements were destabilizing American politics prior to his arrival. And so Part of what I'm trying to suggest is that he became the object of these various forces for a variety of reasons, but I don't think those forces are reducible to him, mm. that they will still obtain because those yeah. geni the genie's out of the bottle. That's what I'm arguing. Yeah, that's right. Like it's, it, 
I don't know, I'm thinking of like lancing a boil or something like now it's all out there. And people have thought about that, like, yeah, cathartic kind of purgative, but also that now the toxins are in the air. You do more history in African-American studies than I do. But uh, just to reverse this, take Trump out of the picture for a second and think about whether isms can survive charismatic leaders or the sidelining or deaths of those leaders. Paul Butler was on the show not long ago talking about one of the strengths of Black Lives Matter is its very recessive leaders. That unlike unlike the Nation of Islam, none, uh, unlike the activism of Malcolm X, unlike the civil rights movement when Dr. King was in charge, that Black Lives Matter it, it has you know these the the three creators of it who try to keep their names out of the news, and the idea is that it can survive without them. That it's not just a cult of personality, that it's not worshipful. And certainly civil rights and passive resistance, civil disobedience, you know, some of the practices and ways of executing campaigns and ideology and kind of Christian liberation theology that inflected King's work survived him. But there was a huge amount lost to that movement when he died. And I think, you know, taking out that Trumpism and Trump are diametrically opposed to King, just wondering historically, do movements that are so energized survive the deaths of their leaders, whatever their goals? Well, you know, I think it's right to kind of suggest that a certain kind of charismatic movement centered around a particular leader, right, can easily dissolve or dissipate once that leader passes. You think about what happened to the nation of Islam once Elijah Muhammad died and how it splintered and then it took the charismatic figure of Louis Farrakhan to bring it back into existence, right? So I think I, I want to grant that claim, but you know, we need to say something about King, for example, and SCLC and his movement prior to his assassination in 68. King was already one, you know, had already fallen off any list of respected leaders. He was one of the most reviled people in the United States at the time of his murder. The movement itself was struggling to find its feet once the Voting Rights Act was passed in 65 and the Civil Rights Act of 64. Um, it was trying to make its way into urban spaces in the North and the West and the Midwest. And it was kind of groping for its mission in light of moving out of the South. So when King is murdered, it's not just simply his death that leads to the splintering. That was already happening mm -hmm. prior to his death. Black Lives Matter is really fascinating as an yeah. example. Yeah, because yeah. I want Black to hear, Lives do you Matter, agree with Paul? To a certain degree, to a certain extent, right? Because Black Lives Matter mirrors in some ways uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee of the mid-20th century, huh. which was not leader, charismatic leader focused, right? They, they called Dr. King the Lord or the Lord, right? They were, they criticized his, his style of leadership. In fact, when oh, we, that was, that was parody. To call oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I see, I see. As if he was just some martyr that we were now going to on our knees to. And it wasn't inflected by Christianity in the same no, way. No, it right. was high, highly cynical in some ways, right? Yeah, and you think yeah. about you think about Selma, the march on Selma, the two marches that, you know, we tend to think about Selma as this triumphant moment. Selma was this moment of profound conflict, right? Where SNCC, SNCC was highly critical of King's decision to pick up and turn the march around. In fact, there were organizers who said that SNCC shouldn't officially sanction their participation. And then many of those organizers moved into Lowndes County, Alabama, and organized what would become the first iteration of the Black Panther 
uh, Party, which is the Lowes County Freedom Movement. So that splintering was already happening. And so one of the ways to understand Black Lives Matter is that it takes that democratic model of leadership that comes out of SNCC and Ella Baker and those folks, where there's not this charismatic leader, but but this, as Miss Baker would say, you are the leader you've been looking for. And then it is engaged in this ongoing cr- criticism of a kind of masculinist, heterosexist, heterosexual, heteronormative rather, politics at the head. But this is the key. This is why I want to trouble Paul's rendering here or account. It's not as if police have stopped killing Black people. So the very purpose of Black Lives Matter, in part, has everything to do with the wanton killing or death of Black people at the hands of law enforcement or those who purport to be law enforcement. So as long as that reality right, obtains in this moment, Black Lives Matter as a sentiment, not a movement, but as a sentiment or sensibility, it seems to me will still, will still have resonance. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus.